0: Welcome to five. Aqua JPIA staff will ask guests five questions. The five questions will focus on pooling, water, risk, HR, and leadership. Five responses with valuable information for JPI member agencies, boards, and staff. Thank you for listening. Please welcome our host and guest for today. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of five. Thank you to David Hodgen and thank you to Cliff Diver Music for all the music you'll hear in this episode. I'm very excited about this episode because it is an area that I know nothing about. And no matter how many times it's explained to me, I still get confused. So it's great that we have someone who actually understands finances and Excel spreadsheets and is ready to help our members get the most out of uh, the financial statements and our billing practices and everything about the JPIA on the finance side. So I'm very, very pleased to introduce Dan Steele, our finance manager. Welcome, Dan.
1: Thanks for having me, Rob.
0: Um, Tell us about how you came to the JPIA. Well,
1: it was about eight years ago. I uh, was living up in Chico, California. I was working as controller for a restoration company. And while it was a good job, there wasn't a lot of uh, advancement uh, available to me at the time, and the benefits were kind of capped. Uh, they gave a little bit to an HSA, uh, 457, but not not a very good pension plan. So My wife and I were were always looking for something better, and we really liked the Roseville area. And uh, she works as a hairdresser and just happened to have a client who worked at JPIA, uh, our very own Allison Hartill, who told my wife uh, there's an opening for a senior accountant job, and this is back in 2014, so uh, you should have your husband apply for it. And so I did, and it was a very rigorous uh, interview process but I ended up getting the job and here I am. And we're
0: extremely happy to have you. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you help make finance understandable to the, to someone who just doesn't get it uh, and you do a great job. Can you tell our members something that you wish more of them knew?
1: Absolutely. Um, a lot of people have heard of our rate stabilization fund and each one of our members receives a rate stabilization fund statement every year. My staff usually gets those out to members in the February, March, April time frame. May have a refund check, may not. But there, the statement will detail all the different components of a member's rate stabilization fund balance, all the way from the beginning balance, cap fund adjustments, 10% uh, program discounts, and so forth, all the way to that refund check, if you get one, and then an ending balance. And a lot of those components can be kind of confusing for members, especially if they're not actively involved with like board meetings where we can really go over it in front of them. Uh, my direct supervisor, Dave DiBernardi, and I will um, we'll try to educate our members as best we can, whether that's one-on-one teams meetings or, um, face-to-face interviews or talking to people at conferences. It's a topic that comes up a lot because there are a lot of different moving parts. And so just handing a a member a statement and saying, figure it out. is not what we're intending to do. We're trying to educate them to understand here's why your balance is where it is. And here's what you can expect a refund check at this certain threshold. So you talk about explaining finance to people. It can be an uphill battle, especially to general managers that don't have finance backgrounds, but we take pride at JPIA. Service is one of our four core values. We can provide service to our members by helping them understand the rate stabilization fund and how it works even better than they already do.
0: I think the rate stabilization fund is one of the one of, of several things that make us truly unique. And it is difficult to explain At first, and I struggled with it, that you make a payment that is a premium deposit. It's not your actual premium. And if we don't use it, you get it back. And that just seems so different than any other insurance type product that most people are familiar with.
1: Right. You'll hear the term RPAs a lot, retrospective premium adjustments, and that is unique to JPIA. But a lot of people equate um, the rate stabilization fund directly to the RPA. And actually the RPA is just one component of this larger rate stabilization fund. And I think that's the common misconception. So I always try to reiterate to everybody, you know, the RPAs, in other words, the net excess of revenue over expenses for a given program year, can play a part in getting a refund but there are a lot of different other variables that a member district has to consider. Did they get a 10% discount in their liability premium the previous year? If so, that would come out of their rate stabilization fund balance and bring down the level of refund that we would offer them. Uh, is their cat fund fully funded in the liability and workers' comp programs? If they have to make a contribution, then their rate stabilization fund would kick in and that could also lower the amount of refund. So it's um, something that we like to educate our members on is what's the difference between the RSF and the RPA? Two um, different terms, but both are very similar in that they meet the rate stabilization fund final balance component.
0: Yeah, that, I find that um, confusing, but <laughs> a, a positive part of what we do for our members. It, the, the way it was explained to me is it's smooths. So it tries to avoid big ups and downs in the charges to the member.
1: What I've gathered from talking to other pools is that their members get frustrated by pricing volatility. And it makes it very difficult for a public agency like a water district to budget for the upcoming fiscal year. The Rate Stabilization Fund allows our executive committee and and, uh, decision-making team the flexibility of making adjustments through pricing or other adjustments that could, you know, the rate stabilization fund could you could uh, smooth that process for members. And they
0: appreciate it. Yeah, I think they do appreciate it. Um, what are some of the changes at the JPIA that you've brought and what are you most proud of?
1: Well, I would have to go back to when I was a senior accountant. I remember one of my... Um, Little Side Projects was constantly reviewing other pools' financial statements. And, you know, just like you read legal uh, disclosures and documents, I like to read financial documents because it's fun and exciting to me. Uh, Some of our listeners probably think, wow, this guy's a major door. But I did notice on one of our competitors' financial statements that they had a target investment return of 8%. And here I've been, you know, senior accountant for a few years of working with our fixed income portfolio, which is um, under strict provisions by California Investment Code. Uh, we invest in things like U.S. Treasuries and uh, AAA rated medium term notes, very highly secure, but not a lot of risk. And those tend to offer rates of return one, two percent, if that. So When I saw this investment policy at this competitor, I thought, how in the world are they targeting 8%? And I brought this to the attention of our CEO, Andy Sells at the time, and we sat down and kind of went through the books and noticed, oh, this competitor formed a captive. And so they use the captive domiciled in another state to reinsure the current pool. And by reinsuring the current pool with premiums paid to this captive, they were able to take those premiums and invest them in more volatile stocks and, and bonds and, and real estate and more diverse investment uh, methods. And by doing so, they were able to target a, a larger rate of return. Now, that does bring a lot more risk and more volatility. But if you're sitting on member premiums that are paid out, in the form of claims over a span of five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten 10 years, if you're looking at an aggregate rate of return of six, seven, eight percent for the portfolio as a whole, then it's gonna pay off in the long run. You may see those dips every once in a while, but by keeping that investment going in another state and not beholden the California investment code, that rate of return is actually doing what's best for our members' uh, premiums. By doing that, we can funnel better rates of return back to the JPIA in the form of dividends or other adjustments that we wanna make at a later time. And I think this pays off for our members greater than what we just have, our fixed income portfolio up until now. And ca- the captive that we formed back in 2019, you were a big part of. The California Water Insurance Fund, CWIF, uh, has done very well. Uh, we've shown an uh, aggregate rate of return of about 7 or 8% up until this point. Granted, 2022 was tough with the, uh, the economy being the way it is and inflation and everything. But um, we think that this was the right move. And I feel like um, there's a great deal of pride that comes with being the one who really looked into this first. Now, it's possible that at some point somebody else might have brought it to our attention and down the line we could have formed a captive. But I think um, by me being nosy and looking at other uh, financial reports, that kind of got the ball rolling quicker. So
0: I think the captive is one of the most significant changes in the last 25 years in our operations. And um, obviously, as your host, I would be recommending you – listen to our entire episode discussing captives and what we can do uh, a little self-promotion there. But I think uh, for o- offering a- additional products um, in better return for our uh, members, all kinds of things where we are now able to place within excess towers. Captive is uh, a dramatic change in how, Business was done as a pool and uh, you deserve all the credit in the world for, <laughs> you know, you don't think something can be done until you actually think of it. it and um, it takes that brand new idea to look at it and then realize all the opportunities that are available. So it you brought a, a, a you know, a huge, huge change. To the financial side of this organization, with, with that idea.
1: Well, I appreciate you giving me credit, but I was definitely not the only one that was involved in in the research and the time and development to to get ready for presenting our board with this new idea. And obviously, um, it took a lot of convincing and a lot of numbers and preparation and reports and the legal side of things, you know, which which you get a lot of credit for. Um, it was a it was a team effort. And I think JPIA is a better agency to our members, a better insurer because of it. And it gives us a lot of flexibility down the, down the road. It does. Whereas a fixed income portfolio, it's, it's, uh, it's pretty much a flat line budget item that you know, not a lot of people paid attention to because it was, it was kind of immaterial in the grand scheme of things. But this should give us a little bit more volatility.
0: Yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it creates all kinds of new opportunities for us which is what we're looking for.
1: And I can tell you that um, when I visited AGRIP, the Association of Governmental Risk Pools in St. Louis a few years ago, I was presenting on ratio analysis. A lot of those ratios um, measure the financial strength of your pool. And a common denominator is always the equity portion of your your balance sheet, your statement of net position. For pools, that is... um, your secured net position or um, reserve, and so having that as a established as a, a key marking point, a key metric, having a captive became a very popular subject at this conference. And I had people coming up to me left and right saying, "How'd you form your captive? What what law law firm did you go through? What um, what type of equity were you targeting?" Um, So there's a lot of pools out there, I would believe, that still haven't formed their captive and are very much interested. And luckily, you know, we hit the ground running with this and have been going ever since.
0: Yeah. Great point. Great point. So what's your favorite part of the job?
1: Well, I alluded to AGRIP. Um, AGRIP, the Association of Government Risk Pools, is a a nationwide um, conglomerate of pools that share common interests and Um, best practices. We also have one in California called Kajapa, the California Association of Joint Powers Authorities. And several years back, my predecessor, Diana Sutton, she highly recommended that I get involved with Kajapa. She said it would be a good idea for you to rub elbows with people in this industry, especially coming from the private sector where I had come from and learning about reserves and incurred but not reported IBNRs there're a lot of terminology that i was kind of new to and uh working with AGrip and Kajapa these uh these agencies of like-minded pools i got to learn very quickly how, uh the finance side of this job of finance pooling and how to book certain journal entries that i had never booked before um Kajapa finance committee has been a rewarding uh, opportunity for me to share ideas and and thoughts and goals with finance personnel from all of our different competitors and pools around California and going to their conferences and learning about you know GASB changes governmental accounting standards board requirements uh, learning how to book things for captives that's been a hot topic lately. Kajapa is a semi-annual conference uh, in the spring and the fall. And so twice a year, you know, you're um, talking to cohorts in the, in the same industry about all the new ideas, new laws, new changes. Um, and so it's it's very rewarding. I'm trying to get my new senior accountant, Kyle Hutchings, to get involved with Kajapa, and he's been, he's been good about going and um, learning too. And I think uh, it's, uh, it's a very rewarding Experience to say that we bring a lot to the table, but we can also take things back to JPIA in the form of best practices and, and goals and, and achievements.
0: Yeah, I, I think peer groups are great. I mean, you can learn so much from your peers, and you don't need to reinvent the wheel every time if someone else is already doing it or gives you an idea that sparks an idea. And yeah, a strong proponent of, of working collaboratively with peers in your industry is great
1: right when uh, Gasby 68 and 75 came out a few years ago um, Gasby required that pools report the net pension and net OPEB obligations and to a lot of pools ourselves included this was brand spanking new um, methodology and so we had to learn basically, you know, how to put this together, how to book this, how to report it on your annual reports and seeing it in action at Kajapa. A lot of uh, actuary firms showed the member, the Kajapa members, this is what we recommend doing. And if you need this template, we can send it to you. So we were starting from a position of strength to book our GASB 68 and 75 entries, and it hadn't even been made, you know, requirement yet. And Kajapa did that for us. So that's a good example of how Kajapa can help members educate themselves um, real time without having to go to their, their auditors or you know, research themselves.
0: Yeah, I agree. And, and Kajapa, AGRIP are leaders, and it's important to have you know, leadership groups to um, spread information and develop it amongst the peers, I do want to ask you a little bit about leadership, actually, because um, you have a, a healthy-sized team here at the <laughs> Aqua JPA. Um, and I like to say, uh, we don't know what we don't know. What's something that you didn't know about leading a team that you've learned in your position as finance manager?
1: Well, at first, uh, I'll give you a little backdrop on my background. Um, I was a sergeant in the military during the Iraq War back in 2003. And so when I first ascended to a leadership position, I was told that I, I came across a little abrasive, a little little too firm, kind of like a drill sergeant talking to a private, not, not to that level of extreme, but I had to work on um, moving my leadership style to a more adaptive form for today's business world. And one of the interesting uh, things that we did here several years back was we had JPI employees take the DISC profile um, exam. And for those of you who are not uh, familiar with the DISC profile, it's a it's a behavioral model based off of Dr. William Marston's um, theory on human behavior where you can categorize human personality traits in four quadrants. And they've got D, I, S, and C in clockwise order. And each letter represents a unique personality um, trait. And where you lie on that, that spectrum can vary. You can be a smack dab in the middle of the D. D stands for dominance. You can be between D and I, I is uh, influence. You're very enthusiastic, optimistic. Most I's are extroverted. D's are uh, dominance, uh, people who tend to be CEOs and folk are very goal-oriented and very hard-charging. You know, workaholics tend to be D's. Um, S, steadiness. Those are people who are more reserved. They're, they're, they're the peacemakers. They try to, you know we can't we all just get along type of mentality. And then there's the C conscientiousness and I am a hard C C's are analytical. They're humble. They, they don't need a lot of oversight. They just want their project and they want to go. Accountants make great C's. They don't want a lot of fluff. They just want to be told, these are the goals. Here's your deadline. Now get to work and then leave that person alone. Don't stand over their cubicle. Don't stand in their doorway. C's are good with Excel. They're good with numbers. Um, So each one of these quadrants represents behavioral traits. And what I learned to answer your question is that it's good to know where your team lies on the disk profile because communication with a D is going to be very different than how you communicate with an I or an S or a C for that matter. Um, C's who communicate with other C's tend to have a hard time communicating with each other because They have, they're, they're very stubborn. This is the way I do my Excel spreadsheets. I know you do your Excel spreadsheets a different way. Um, C's and I's have a hard time communicating. Uh, And I may want to talk about the weekend and, and, and discuss, you know, office settings or, you know, things that are going on during the week. and, And C's are like, Hey, I just want my assignment. Can I go get back to my desk and start working on it? I need, I've got a deadline. I just want to work. So that's been very beneficial to me, to understand where my people lie on the disk profile. Communicating with this person may be different than communicating with somebody else, but it's allowed me to know if I'm communicating with my S's, I need to ask them about their kids, about their weekends a little bit. Then I can get into the the details. Then I can wish them, you know, a great day. If you need any help, come and get me. Um with my C's, it's here's what I need done, here's what I need it done, let me know when you if you need any help. And then I leave them alone. It's funny how it varies from person to person, but I think that disc profile is a good starting point to understand who you have on your team and how to communicate with them and, and the most efficient way at at, at getting things done.
0: Yeah. Adaptive communication styles can be make your life so much easier as a manager. Um, I know that the, the interesting thing is when you start categorizing family and friends and realizing, oh, yes, now I understand why this person and I had butt heads because they're clearly in the opposite quadrant than me and. Yeah, very uh, good point. And, you know, that is what makes a great leader is adaptability. And um, it's not uh, you have one way and that's it. But by adapting to your team, you truly get the most out of that team.
1: And I will say that something else I've learned about leadership is that it's very fluid. There is no leader that can't get better. So leadership training, you know, and and we take that very seriously at JPIA always open to new leadership training especially when it comes to communication and, and leadership styles um, I never think that I can't learn anything more I will always be adapting as a leader whether I'm finance manager director of finance CEO doesn't matter I will always consider the fact that there's room to grow and no leader perfect we're all human so
0: and again I would um, again doing a little self-promotion I'd recommend the Sarah Crawford podcast on all of the uh, valuable training opportunities that we offer our members in this area of leadership and supervision and employment practices. Well, this has been great. I've learned, I've actually learned something. So uh, (laughs) again, just what you said, you never stop learning and that's always a good thing. Thank you, um, Dan. And if members have questions, you know, Dan is always available. Um, on questions regarding your invoices, your RPA, the RSF, on any type of finance related question, as is his entire team. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Thank you again to Cliff Diver. As always, please subscribe, leave a comment for us, and we look forward to talking to you next time. Thank you very much, everyone. Thank you for listening to Five. If you enjoyed this episode, please give us a five-star review and leave a comment. Have a topic you would like to learn more about? Email us at podcast at aquajpia.com. Thank you to Cliff Diver Music for producing our music. And until next episode, thank you for making us a part of your day.